Welcome to Business Casual, our weekly podcast at Poets and Quants. This is John Byrne with P&Q. I have with me my co-host, Maria Wickvilla and Caroline D'Arty Edwards. You know them well. I bet you can tell each one apart by their voice. And I hope you can tell me <laughs> apart from that by my voice. Hey, it's that time of the year again when the, a lot of the round two application deadlines are pretty much done and finished. And there are people out there who are wondering about round three at U.S. schools. Uh, at the European and Asian schools, there are typically longer deadlines and additional rounds. But what about round three? The, the, the common perception is that, man, your chances are really low if you apply in that final round. Because after all, the vast majority of seats in the classroom are already gone. And what admission directors are typically looking for are people who are underrepresented in one way or another in fashioning their class makeup. So we want to explore this round three because we're thinking this one is going to be different and we'll tell you why. Domestic applications to U.S. business schools is way down in MBA programs, in many cases uh, in double digits at different schools. There is a war for women to reach gender parity after Wharton hit the 52% mark with its cohort that enrolled last fall. And U.S. schools have as a major priority the diversity and inclusion. So there's also a race to get more diverse classmates in those uh, cohorts. And we think this is creating an unusual opportunity in round three for domestic candidates overall, and then particularly for women and for diverse candidates. Caroline, what do you think? Yeah, I think you may be right, John. I mean, often we advise candidates against applying round three, especially for the very top schools, because typically they've allocated the vast majority of their places in round rounds one and two, right? So, so chances are um, very slim in, in round three. And I think you know, the Stanford admissions director once described it as sort of, you know, desperate chances in round three, right? It's sort of, you know, very, very incredibly long shot, um, even more so than in the early rounds, if you, if you wait to the last round. But, it, you know, we've had a very unusual ride over the past couple of years uh, with the pandemic creating a surge of applications. And often when there's a surge of applications, that's followed by a dip right? Because um, it's pulled demand forward to a certain point in time. So people who might otherwise perhaps have applied now, maybe they maybe already applied last year because, um, because of their circumstances then. So it, it created a surge then followed by um, a dip now. And, and that's often been the case historically, when you look back at, at, you know, how things pan out over time with application volume. So I think you're right that there is a bit of a dip now. And and also, typically in round three, admissions committees are looking to fill out the class and they're looking very carefully at the class statistics, right? So they're looking to use that round um, to craft, you know, put the finishing touches on the class and make sure that they're meeting their goals of, you know, number of women, um, different profiles, not having too many consultants or investment bankers or engineers looking for more diverse profiles. And so, you know, round three is often really critical for that and probably this year even more so. So if you uh, have a profile that is not one of the most common uh, profiles in the pool, 
then you probably do have a better shot in this round than you would have had, for example, 12 months ago. Maria, what's your general advice on round three? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, first off, in case this hasn't already been said, I think international candidates should not consider round three, even if there are more spots now than usual. Um, There are so many hurdles to jump, especially if you're applying to a U.S. school, right? The visa process and the you have to get a loan and, you know, scholarship money, as we were chatting a little bit before we started recording. I I mean, at this point, scholarship money may not really, it might all be exhausted at this point. So I do think that this would, this advice would really only apply to domestic candidates. And as Caroline said, people who have something relatively unique to add to the pool from rounds one and two, consultants, bankers, engineers, not only are those seats getting filled, but there's a wait list, probably a pretty extensive wait list of those folks from the earlier rounds already. Um, But I think in round three, people from say, I think the military, for example, uh, those folks have a pretty good chance in round three, in part because sometimes if they are deployed or if they still have to fulfill a certain number of years of their service, um, you know, they may have sort of an excuse for why they they haven't applied sooner. Uh, or entrepreneurs, for example, I think could be, you know, let's say that someone tried to be an entrepreneur for the past couple of years and only in the past month or two, they realized, you know, I, I either need the MBA to keep this growing or, hmm, maybe I shouldn't keep this growing and I should go back to business school and figure out what I did wrong. So I think it, I do think it has to be someone who is a strong candidate and who brings something unique. I also think I would be more inclined to tell someone to do it if they were a little bit on the older side, only because I do think that there's a point after which it it becomes really hard as an older candidate to justify going back for a full-time MBA. So if someone is sort of at the six-year mark, seven-year mark of experience post-college, I would say, hey, you know, go for it because for you, the clock is is ticking. You know, I sort of, I refer to it as the expiration date, right? If you're nearing your expiration date, you might as well apply now. But if you're only two, three years, I would actually, I would even still advise you to perhaps wait until, you know, I mean, round round one is only six months away, <laughs> six, seven. <That's> <laughs> so, so, you know, it's just better to, you know, it's just probably for most people, it's probably better to simply wait until the round one that's coming up. But yeah, like Caroline said, I think some people, this could be a great chance for them. Why not grab the opportunity and see what happens? Yeah. And, you know, one of the reasons why domestic apps are down so much is because the U.S. economy has been very strong despite the lingering pandemic. Uh, And that's kept people at work because more opportunities exist in front of them and they feel they may not need to go to graduate school right now. Uh, the other thing that I hear happening from many admission directors at both Berkeley and UVA, Darden, and other schools is that after someone gets admitted, employers are doing everything they can to hang on to them. They are uh, offering you know, off-calendar raises and promotions and cool assignments to keep them uh, in their seats and to keep them out of business school. And that's you know, opening up some opportunities around three, I think that would never have been available in the past. Now, you know, uh, Caroline, you, you've been on the other side of this fence and with, uh, I'm sure, candidates that you've admitted at NCIAD who were told that their company just offered them a new promotion or a big raise or a really cool assignment. And now they don't want to go to uh, NCIAD, even though you admitted them. What would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, every year I would speak to candidates who'd been admitted and, you know, they really wanted to come, but the company was doing everything they could to 
to stop them um, leaving and offering all sorts of, um, you know, exciting new projects and promotions and more money and so on. And that that is incredibly difficult to turn down, right? It's very hard to walk away from from success. (laughs) But I think that candidates need to take the long-term view, right? Because by their very nature, you know, by definition, the vast majority of candidates heading off to the top schools or, you know, they, they, they all are very successful young people who are going to have lots of opportunities, right? And they, regardless of whether they go to business school, they have a great profile and they can get job offers, etc. But I think, you know, they, they need to take a long-term view of um, what is in their best long-term interests, right? The, the company that they're working for does not necessarily have have you as a candidate and have your long-term interests at heart, right? They're looking to hang on to you for for the benefit of the company. And maybe in the short term, that's great for you, but it might not be the best thing for you in the long term, right? There's a lot of long-term payoff of doing the MBA and doors that will open that otherwise will remain closed and the network that, you know, supports you throughout your career. And I think it's a shame when candidates sort of hesitate to take up a great offer to go to business school and, and walk away because of those um, those other opportunities because often it's not it's not in their longer term interests and and uh, you may be able to get a deferral right or maybe you can reapply later but there's no guarantee that that will happen and I think there is a sort of optimal time for most people to go off to business school. And if you leave it too long, then maybe you won't get back in again, or maybe, you know, it's not going to be, have such a big impact on your career, right? You might have sort of um, passed your best, as, as Maria said. So so I know it's very difficult to turn down um, great opportunities when they're raining down on you, but I would, in, I would tell candidates to think very, very carefully before turning down an offer to head off to business school when you know, if that was their dream school and they really wanted to go there, you know, keep in mind what was your original motivation for applying and, you know, keep in mind the longer term benefit that that will have. Yeah, I always say, and I, I always think this is really true in general, you know, if you're about to leave your company for another job or for a graduate school and suddenly your company recognizes the contribution that, that you've made, meaning that they didn't recognize it fully before. There is a sense of being held up. And I don't think that that is a positive in the long term for you at your company. You know, you're given a new opportunity, so you don't leave. And you're only given that new opportunity because they don't want you to leave. But now they feel, oh, my, we had to give you something that we wouldn't ordinarily have given you. And there is some, you know, there could be some unspoken resentment over that. That's especially true when people change jobs and they're talked out of a new job. Oh, you're going to leave us for that. I imagine it's the same for graduate school. Maria, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I was actually, I was offered unofficially something, you know, really exciting to, to move to, to Italy, actually, you know, to, to continue my career there. And on some levels, look, that actually would have been the right choice. <laughs> but I, I also think Look, as Caroline said, what ultimately I was really on the fence, but the thing that ultimately tipped me towards doing the MBA was thinking about the long term and something that I had, uh, you know, I had spoken to a, a female mentor of mine who had gotten an MBA. And she said, look, if you ever need to take time out in the future from your career, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, 
uh, having that MBA is just going to help you jump back into the workforce in a way that you otherwise would not have, right? It's either going to give you the network, it's going to give you the credibility. Um, and so I think that was the argument that ultimately tipped me over. And then the other thing was, you know, I, I was told, well, but Maria, you're already, you're already en route to running a division so far. Like Caroline said, like the, the, the sort of catch 22 of MBA admissions is that you don't get in unless you're already a superstar at work. Right. And so the good news is if you don't get the MBA, you're probably going to continue being a superstar. <laughs> and so I was sort of the, one of the messages I received was like, well, but you know, if you just hang in there for another couple of years, we're going to give you that sort of that general manager responsibility. And the other thing that tipped it towards me leaving and going to get the MBA was I thought, well, but what if I get that position and I mess it up? Because I don't actually know formally stuff about marketing and operations and all this, you know, I'm pretty much self-taught in a lot of this. And what if that's not good enough and I blow it? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I think that was, that was really, that was part of it was I, you know, I had seen, I had seen people rise quickly through the ranks and I had seen those people just as quickly get their heads chopped off if they blew it. So I was like, well, I don't want that to be me. So yeah, so as Caroline was saying, I think, ask yourself, what do you, what sorts of things are you looking for in the long term? in your career and in your life. And also ask yourself, you know, if 24 months ago, this very same employer was mumbling about layoffs and dropping hints that there might be, you know, you might have to take some time off of unpaid leave, just sort of remind yourself of, of how you felt 24 months ago when the pandemic started. And if they're sweet talking to you now, ask yourself, well, did I feel that they had my back uh, back then? Oh boy, that's a really good point. It's so easy to forget that. That really is. So in general, for round three, what we're saying here is there may be a unique opportunity for domestic applicants who are female or diverse. Uh, in general, it's a tough round because most of the seats have been filled. And what admission officers are looking for are basically filling out the class profile. Maybe they need some people from healthcare, from manufacturing. Maybe they need some military candidates. So it's a uh, there's a bit of more randomness to round three admissions than uh, is even a round one and round two. The other thing about round three, and this is another uh, important aspect of it, is that as we mentioned earlier, the European and Asian schools have uh, extended deadlines. And so particularly if you're an international applicant and you want to apply and get into a school later this year, Really, at this point, your best bet uh, is one of the European schools. I mean, NCIAD has, is it five or six deadlines and two intakes every year, right? Karen? Right. Well, so there's four de deadlines for each intake and there's two intakes. So there's eight deadlines a year. So, yeah, so yes, there's a lot that. more flexibility there than you have at the top US schools, right? Uh, you, you have all of those deadlines. So certainly, you know, for someone who's thinking right now about applying, I think, as you say, the international programs are a, a great option to consider. True. And, and in, that, in those cases, because of those longer deadlines, I, I would imagine that um, the, the scholarship money is spread out a little bit better than it would be at U.S. schools, where most of it is expended in round one or round two, and there's nothing left for round three, which is not another consideration. I mean, I, I think that if you really need money to go to an MBA program, you really want to be applying in round one or, or round two. And round one is even preferable. Um, then, then three for sure, right? Yeah, actually, in Seattle, it's better to apply in round one or round two for scholarship money as well mm -hmm. than rounds three or four. There are still still some funds available, but far less later on. So for someone um, who is targeting 
you know, getting that financial support should consider applying earlier. But applications have just opened, right, for the January intake. So, um, so you know, you can get you can the get early. your application in early for yeah, that's right for for, for next January. Um, so, so, now Marie, yeah. is, it, is there any general advice for round three applicants? Like, I wonder, do you need to explain why you're applying in what could often be the last round of the business school admission cycle? Is that necessary? Because you, you don't want people to think, oh, you came at this at the last minute and you put together a sloppy application. Yes. So I'm a very big fan of always addressing the elephant in the room in your application, whether that's a low GMAT, a low GPA, getting laid off, anything that might be might cause this moment of like, huh, in the reader. I, I am a big fan of just addressing it up front. And so I think there are two there are two risks to applying in round three that beyond simply the fact that it's later. One is, as you just mentioned, you might put together a very sloppy application. And two, it might be, oh, okay, so you applied to other schools round one and two. You didn't get into any of them, and now you're crawling back to us. Um, <laughs> like, where were you six months ago? You didn't. You weren't on our webinar. You haven't signed up for our mailing lists. You haven't reached out to any students. Like, oh, you're sort of the leftovers, and, and you're viewing us as, like, the leftover. So that way, even if you get in and you come here, are you really going to be super into me? Like, are you going to be engaged in the campus and excited to be here? Or are you just going to view it as like the consolation prize? So um, I am a, I absolutely, you know, just explain what happened. Unless of course, if it was, I applied to other schools I liked more and I didn't get into any of them. (laughs) Uh, But you know, you can always have, you can all, I mean, there might be a really important project at work. Maybe there was a new product launch that had to happen by a certain date and you were just swamped with it. There might be personal health reasons. There could be a number of reasons. So if you have a good reason or at least a plausible reason <laughs> that you could write about, it might not be the actual reason that you're applying in round three, but if it works, absolutely. Just address it up front. Like anytime there might be a, a question mark appearing over the reader's head, you just want to squash it up front whenever you can. That's true. That's a really good point because everyone, including a business school, wants to know that it is wanted and not a, a leftover or a second or third choice. And and explaining that you are uh, all out on a heavy assignment or that there was some, your parents had uh, COVID or whatever it is, uh, and you couldn't get to the apps uh, earlier, but this is the school of my choice. It's the school of my dreams. This is where I've always wanted to go. Um, and getting that into the optional essay or even the regular essay, if there's no optional essay, is probably worthwhile for round three. Caroline, any other thoughts on round three? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And so do your research, right? Show some mm-hmm. insight into the program because, I mean, schools definitely see, right? As the season goes on, you see, as Marie said, less motivated candidates have been rejected elsewhere and so are sort of working their way down the list. And the applications become very generic and, um, you know, clearly they haven't spent much time engaging with the school. So it's important to um, to to really set yourself apart in that context and 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 show that you have made the effort to get to know the school. And, um, you know, you do understand um, what you will get out of that specific program. Um, and, And so, you know, tailoring your application in round three to that specific school is even more important really than in round one, right? Whereas they assume in round one, you're applying in round one, then you're probably fairly motivated candidate, but there's a big question mark about your motivation in round three. Yeah, really true. Okay, there you have it. 
Uh, all that we could tell you about round three, that mysterious and often scary round that some people uh, dare to apply in. We're telling you if you are a domestic candidate, a woman or a diverse candidate, go for it. This is an unusual and unique time given the double digit decline at many schools and domestic applicants and the race for gender parity in the, how uh, diversity and inclusion has become a very high priority for many schools. Thanks for listening. This is John Byrne with Parts of Watch. You've been listening to Business Casual, our weekly podcast.